This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Music for 18 Musicians by the great American composer Steve Reich. Music for 18 Musicians was a breakthrough piece for Reich. He calls it his seminal piece. Took him three years to compose. Had its world premiere at Town Hall in New York City on April 24th, 1976. This is Getting On with James Urbaniak. I was a mere stripling of a lad in April of 1976, and I think I found the Rolling Stones a little too scary at that point. I can't imagine what I would have thought of music for 18 musicians back then. And now, hell, I'm older than Mr. Reich was when he had his great breakthrough back there on the mean streets of Soho. Puts everything in perspective. In April of 1976, living just across the river from New York in Bayonne, I don't think I'd even kissed a girl yet. Let me think. No. No. I was years away from kissing my first girl. I know because... I know because of Roller Coaster. Roller Coaster in Sense Around came out in the summer of 1977, and I definitely had not kissed a girl before then. I know that because of Kathleen Beerlich, who was my first girlfriend ever. That was her name. I could not make that up. Kathleen Beerlick. We were 13. So classic. One day I'm teasing her about her dorky glasses and her training bra. The next day I'm holding hands with her underneath a cafeteria table. The Beerlick family all had the same initials. The father was Keith. The mother was Karen. Kathleen had three brothers, Kurt, Kevin, and Kyle. I also knew a family named Green, who named their kids Hunter, Jade, and Kelly, but that's a different story. Kathleen Beerlich was taller than me, and almost as skinny. The two of us were a couple of dorks, with almost nothing to say to each other, but we would hold hands under the cafeteria table. And then after school, I would go home on the bus, hard as a rock, all the way home, and then I'd furiously masturbate the second I got in the door. 
sounds silly now, but in some ways those were the most intense sexual experiences in my life. And Kathleen Bierlich never knew about a lot of it. So yes, as I say, Roller Coaster, starring Mr. George Siegel and Mr. Richard Widmark and Mr. Henry Fonda, and the internet informs me a young Miss Helen Hunt. Incense around. That was the new movie out that weekend. And I asked Kathleen if she'd like to go see it with me. It took me forever to work up the courage to ask her. Jesus, kids are so stupid. And yet, oddly, it doesn't get easier as a grown-up. Anyway, she said yes. But we were 13, so obviously I couldn't go pick her up or anything. I said I had to meet her at the theater. And I was super excited about that. And I showed up at the theater early. I had my mom drive me. I didn't tell her I was there to meet a girl. She was used to driving me to see a movie and then pick me up later. And it's not like I was planning on losing my virginity or anything that night. I probably was hoping for some hand-holding and maybe a kiss. And showtime came, and Kathleen, uh, how to put it, Kathleen Beerlich didn't show up. So I was standing there in front of the theater with the proverbial flowers in my hand. My first date, and I was stood up. And the movie started, and I went inside. I wasn't going to miss Roller Coaster on account of some dame. And the next day, Kathleen told me that she'd been on her way to the theater, and her father had asked her whom she was meeting, and she told him whom she was meeting, and he had turned around and driven her back home. And, uh... I think that was the last time I ever talked to Kathleen Beerlich. She crushed my little heart. I had my pride. I still remember our touching hands under the cafeteria table, though. And I'm looking here at the internet machine, and it says that Kathleen Beerlich is now a doctor for the United States Marine Corps doing research on infectious diseases. Imagine that. So, apparently she recovered from not seeing Roller Coaster that night with me in 1977. My next girlfriend was Vicki Ross. We were in a band together. I had a job mowing somebody's lawn every week one summer, and I would ride my bike past her house. And one day she came out when she saw me riding by, I stopped, and we talked. She had scars on her face from chicken pox. N nothing horrible. It was actually kind of cute. She was my first kiss that afternoon under a tree in her front yard. I did very well. Used my tongue in the second kiss. Very proud of myself. Vicky and I were together five, maybe six months. I would go over to her house after school, and we would go down to her basement rec room and watch TV, by which I mean we turned on the TV and we made out. Teen stuff, nothing serious. Second base tops. Still, boy, those were exciting times.
Every day I'd make my plans. How far could I get today? What should I wear? What was she wearing? Was she wearing something I could get my hands into easily? It was pretty much all I thought about. And we got along, too. We talked about all the usual stuff. <laughs> Vicki Ross. She dumped me in January. Broke my heart. Said I was getting too physical. And she didn't want that from a relationship. Real grown up. Destroyed me. A week later, she started dating my best friend, Brian Reed. So... I lost my girlfriend and my best friend in the same week. That was pretty traumatizing at the time. I remember the both of them trying to help me through it. I remember telling them, one day I'm going to win an Oscar and I'll mention you guys as my best friends. I'm looking up Vicky now. Look here! She still lives in my hometown, on the same street. In the same goddamn house. The same house. Holy cow. I wonder if she ever thinks about me while she's watching TV down in her rumpus room. How she dumped future star James Urbaniak. Yes, Vicky. That guy playing the foot fetishist on Sex in the City. He could have been all yours. Vicky Ross. My first real girlfriend, actual sex and everything, was Cynthia Gerwood. Cynthia Gerwood was super smart, but super messed up. Eating disorder, weird relationship with her mother. Cynthia Gerwood said she wanted to marry me because Cindy Urbaniak sounds better than Cynthia Gerwood. She got that idea from a mother who had married Cynthia's father, Wilbur Gerwood. Yes, Wilbur Gerwood. Wib to his friends because she was born with the name... I'm not kidding, Clarabelle Crapwell. She was born with the name Clarabelle Crapwell. And Claire Gerwood sounded better than Clarabelle Crapwell, and I find I cannot disagree with that. Cynthia Gerwood and I were together for a good long time, a couple of years even. Had sex everywhere. My car, her bedroom, the sauna at the community pool... She was into, for some reason, Rod Stewart and English rock stars in general. She taught me to appreciate the Rolling Stones, actually, now that I think about it. We broke up when time came for college, perfectly natural. She went on to college to study German and classical music. And we stayed in touch, love letters back and forth and everything, pink envelopes, perfume even. I still have them in a box around here somewhere. Ten years later, I ran into her on the street in New York, and we spent a night together, and she gave me a non-gonococcal infection, which is an infection that has all the symptoms of gonorrhea, but is not actually gonorrhea. She gave me a non-gonococcal infection because she had an eating disorder that had screwed up her pH balance. All right. Just found her on Facebook. She's rather large now. I almost didn't recognize her. But her profile says she listens to Rod Stewart, and yeah, that's her all right. No mention of German or classical music. She married a man named Bates. So her name is now Cynthia Bates. Which I guess sounds better than Cynthia Crewwood. 
married, kids, teenage kids, going to their own proms. Time marches on. No one wants to be alone. I'm not a gregarious guy by nature. I don't do things like go up to a woman at a party and start a conversation. That's not me. It's not who I am. I mean, that's why I'm an actor, so I don't have to do that. I don't come up to you. You see me on stage. You see me in a movie, on TV. Then you come up to me and introduce yourself. That's not an accident. That was a really specific plan. Hmm. I was doing a show once, college. Or, well, I would have been college, but I dropped out by then. Long story. Anyway, point is, I was doing a show. I hadn't had sex in a couple of years. I was 19, 20, something like that. And the not having sex was weighing pretty heavily on me. And one of the guys in the cast, got guy named Frank, Turkish kind of looking guy, Turkish, Slavic, something. Anyway, he liked me. And one night his girlfriend, Chrissy, came to the show and brought her sister, who was visiting from out of town. And the sister, her name was... Oh, geez, what was it? Vivian? Vanessa? I'm going to call her Vivian. Point is, Vivian was quite taken by me in the show. And we stayed out all night after the show... And she was full of compliments, and we really clicked. You know how it goes. You know it when you know it. And we closed the bar, and she said that her sister had already gone home, and she had no place to stay, and asked me if she could come home with me. Well, I'm not one to be unchivalrous to a damsel in distress, so, of course, I graciously said yes, and took her back to my place, and yes... We had sex, and I have to say, it was pretty awesome. She was pretty awesome. Kind of a tiger, really. I was impressed. It was a big deal for me that night, getting back on the horse, so to speak, after so long alone. Nobody wants to be alone. I was feeling pretty great about myself, and... The next day at the show, I went up to Frank, and I was like, so, uh, Vivian went home with me last night. And Frank gave me this kind of wise guy grin and said, I know. And it took me a second to realize that I'd been set up. Frank had set all this up. He had said to his girlfriend, Chrissy, James really needs to get laid. Can you bring Vivian in from out of town? She'll fuck anybody. I wrote Vivian a few times, telling her how much that night had meant to me and how great she was and how I couldn't wait to see her again. And she sent back cards that were friendly, but completely devoid of eroticism. Does Vivian even remember my name? Does she remember me at all? Was I just some guy to her? Some guy she slept with once, a dot in the crowd? After I moved to New York, I lived with a woman for a while, Brenna. We got along great. I was an actor, and she was a dancer. And we met when we were both doing temp work. We really jibed, and 
we were going to go to places together. We had it all figured out. We were hipsters in love. We had great sex, and we were really into each other and into the same things. She had an enormous collection of snow globes and a terrarium full of anoles, and we were at that age when half the things you buy, you buy ironically. We listened to Leonard Nimoy albums and watched bad 1940s detective movies, and we had a great time, really. We laughed, so you could tell. But you know, show business is hard on actresses and even harder on dancers. They don't want to look at you past 30. Brenda got a part-time office job to pay the bills between dancing gigs, and eventually there were no more dancing gigs, and she quit the part-time job and made it a full-time job. So she's one of those people. Give up her dream to pay the bills. My career took off. Her stalled. That created tension. A star is born in Carroll Gardens. We broke up one night during an argument about the Winter Olympics. Brenna is married now. English guy named Charlie. Seems happy enough. Knits things. Posts them on Pinterest. They're good. Here's my Pinterest joke. Of all the Pinters, Harold was the Pinterest. Is Brenna out there thinking about me? Did I impact her life? We were together for a good long time. Does she stop by the places where we used to eat together? Ukrainian diners in the East Village. And remember the dishes I used to order. And how one time we watched the wacky races on the TV over the counter of a restaurant at 5 a.m. after being out all night and talked about how perfect that moment was. I, I think my question is, <laughs> is there anyone out there who thinks about me? who looks back on their time with James Urbaniak and says, man, that was awesome. I wonder what James is up to now. Are they just all busy with their lives, going from ordinary crisis to ordinary crisis, filling up their days, rounding up the flotsam of life? Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. Is anyone examining mine? I mean, I guess I worry about that. Who am I if no one remembers me? If no one is thinking about me? Who am I? Or am I at all? After my career took off, I'm at a party one night downtown. This is the late 90s somewhere. I'm at this party, and this woman comes up to me, Maria Stumiak. Yes? A yak, just like me. And she recognizes me, not from Henry Fool or Sex and the City, but from a variety show I did at the public theater. And she's young, like still in college, NYU. And here I am, a successful actor. And she tells me she's been thinking about me ever since she saw me in that show. And I know the score. This is not my first rodeo. Thinking about you is code. And that was the first time that it ever happened to me. And while I'm only human, 
I mean, this is what every actor dreams of, right? A woman, and she's good-looking, too. She's really interesting and smart, gangly, the way I like them. And we start talking, and we just have everything in common. She likes pavement. She knows the goon show. She loves Tony Randall and Charles Lawton. And we have a great time talking, and it gets late, and people start going home. And Maria says that she has to help clean up, but if I want to sack out in her bedroom, I'm welcome to stay. Well, what am I supposed to do? I go to her bedroom, I take off my shoes, and lie down. I can't believe my luck. I don't take off my clothes. That would be gauche. Besides, why ruin the surprise? And in a little while she comes in and is being really quiet and she strips down to her slip, black slip. It's got like an ivy lace thing along the hem. And she lies down on this little two-seater couch she's got in her room. And I think, well, here's my cue. And I slip out of bed, and I go over to her on the couch. I snuggle against her, and we make out. Nothing serious, nothing I'd have to regret later, but it's good, it's intense, and warm and intimate and I fall asleep next to her. And a few hours later it's morning and she's gone to work and I go home and I never see her again. But I think about her all the time. I don't think a week goes by that I don't think about her. And now I'm Googling Maria. And look at that. She's got her own design studio. Good for her. I told you she was smart. Hmm. I wonder she's... In New York, I wonder, it's early there, but I wonder if she has her own business. She's probably up by now. I wonder if... I'm, you know, I'm going to call her. I'm going to call her before I chicken out. 212, dun, 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 3648. This is weird. I should hang up. Yeah, I'm going to hang. Hello? Oh, uh, hi. <laughs> Maria? Who is this? It's James. James Rabaniak. Oh, yeah. Hey, how's it going? We met at that party that time back no, in no, the... No, 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 I remember. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm, uh, I'm out in L.A. now. Uh-huh. Uh, cool. 
And yeah, the wife and kids, all good. Okay. Um, good. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm actually doing a um, a podcast here. Uh huh. I do that now, along with the acting, you know, to keep my name out there. And yeah, yeah. I was ju- I was just reminiscing about old times. Wait, you're recording this? Uh, yeah. Do you think that's appropriate? <laughs> I uh, yeah. I mean, it's- I was just. <laughs> Never mind. Hey, listen, James, it was great hearing from you, but I, I have to actually get ready for work. Um, I've got a big delivery on the Yeah, other I saw that on the internet. You have your own company now. That's great. You're stalking me? I, oh, no. I just, I like I say, I'm doing the podcast here, and I was just... Um, Are you drunk? Uh, no. Because I know you get this way when you're drunk. I'm not sure what you're talking about. The last time I saw you at the party? Yeah, I was just talking about that. I was just saying how you asked me to stay, and it was a really special night for me. I and, asked uh, you to stay because you were too drunk to walk home. Uh, Do you even remember what you did? I, I um, let you collapse in my room. Then when I came in to go to sleep on my couch, you came over and started groping me. I... You, uh, you you didn't say anything. What was I supposed to say? I, I didn't want my roommates to know I was being molested by James Urbaniak. I mean, my God, how embarrassing. I Molested? So I just stayed quiet and pretended you weren't there until you got done doing whatever you thought you were doing and fell asleep. I don't know what to say. I was I... 20, James. I was 20. You were, I don't know how old. I don't know, 35. 35? Jesus! And climbing on top of 20-year-olds when you're too drunk to walk. You know, I'm glad you called. I'm glad you called. I'm sorry, I don't... Because now I can finally tell you what I wanted to tell you that night. You're a creep, James. You're a creep. Getting On with James Urbaniak, Episode 12, Old Girlfriends, was written by Todd Alcott and produced and performed by James Urbaniak. Maria was played by Padgett Brewster. This program is part of the Feral Audio Network. Visit feralaudio.com for prior episodes and other podcasts.